0: Welcome to Digital Therapeutics edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Borovic. In the previous episode, I spoke with Justin Norton, partner at GSR Ventures. We spoke about routes to market, virtual reality as therapy, and of course, about scalable business models and valuations within the digital health and digital therapeutics industry. Today, we jump back into interviewing some of the early trailblazers and speak with Dennis Hull, founder of Cognoa. In their own words... Cognoa is a pediatric behavioral health company developing digital diagnostic and therapeutic products with the goals of enabling earlier and more equitable access to care and improving the lives and outcomes of children and families living with behavioral health conditions starting with autism. But before we dive in, I had my eyes on Cognoa as innovating in pediatrics is never easy. And while last year I interviewed Brent Vaughan, who was co-founder and CEO of Cognoa till March of 2020? We focused his interview on Cognito, a company that Brent is currently leading. So it was truly a pleasure getting to know Dennis Wall, the founder of Cognoa. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dennis. <music> Dennis, welcome to the DTX podcast. I've been looking forward to this discussion. We've never actually met before this, and I've been tracking Cognoa from kind of the early days. So looking forward to getting to know you and hearing more about the progress at Cognoa. But before we sort of dive deeper in, would love to tell you to our audience who you are, a little bit of your background, and let's not forget a small interesting fact about yourself.
1: All right. I'm Dennis Wall. I am the founder of Cognoa. I'm a professor at Stanford University in the Departments of Pediatrics and Biomedical Data Science, as well as adjunct in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. I've been working on the systems of autism from a variety of different angles since I started my faculty career at Harvard Medical School in 2004 and have had a long and interesting journey along the way that's landed in some important discoveries that Formed the foundations of Cognoa and its new solution that's authorized by the FDA, Canvas DX. Just from a personal perspective, my reason for autism is my family. My wife's sister has a severe form of autism and has motivated and inspired me since I was 16 years old. An interesting fact about me my first scuba dive was when I was uncertified. It was on the island of Sipadan, just off the coast of Borneo, at about 110 feet. And I hope you practiced before. No, no, it was an unpracticed deep dive and I learned on the fly. So I guess the interesting fact is that I can handle pressure. Wow. Wow. Okay. So,
0: (laughs) well, and hence you're an entrepreneur driving something new to the market. So this goes to show your background and your spirit. Let's not beat around the bush. Thanks for the interesting facts. And as always, many of the healthcare businesses get started because of personal passions or family matters. So thank you for telling that story. But would love to kind of rewind back to 2013 a little bit. As an entrepreneur, there's always, to a certain extent, you can bootstrap a lot of it, but also there's a funding journey. And in 2013, Digital therapeutics as even a term was still very early on. Maybe you can describe to other entrepreneurs and listeners, what was that funding journey in the early days to get something like this off the ground and any kind of milestones moving from some of those rounds to rounds as you guys were raising capital?
1: And then we'll get into more interesting evidence, clinical stuff after that. Probably not surprising to the audience. The journey was a bit of an odyssey with a lot of stomping boots on the ground in the greater Boston area communicating with any VC that would communicate with me. And I was coached to a certain extent from different uh, coaching platforms offered to me as a faculty member at Harvard. But by and large, it was myself just out there trying to find time, trying to get time with various VCs, you name it, Atlas, Polaris, Excel, and so on. Pass, 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 pass. (laughs) Resilience, 100 meters. Exactly. So... (laughs) all the way to terms and then pass. Ultimately, the story needed to get out there. And I worked tirelessly without really wavering because of my commitment to this story and how passionate and how much heart and reality there is behind this story and its solution, ultimately finding Morningside, which is a fantastic venture capital, but more. A group that's committed to the long-term vision of a program like ours, and they've been with us from day one. So finding them, finding Gerald Chan, who's part of the Harvard ecosystem in general, was a real win for me. And spent a lot of time with him, who's an amazing person, but to land the, the terms that succeeded and managed to get this company started. So long story short, Morningside's been in and with us for the long haul, and I think we'll continue to be there to the very end. It's always
0: great to find an investor that believes in the vision and also helps execute on it to the entrepreneurs. And I know I had the pleasure of having hosting Brent Vaughn last season under his new hats and kind of a shout out to him, I guess,
1: from at least me. I second echo that shout out. Without Brent, we wouldn't be here for lots of reasons that I can get into.
0: So as I always say on almost every episode, digital therapeutics, at the end of the day, the patients, consumers don't care what it's called, whether it's a DTX diagnostic. How does it work for me as a patient? You have an FDA authorization for Canvas DX. Maybe talk a little bit about what that product does, but more importantly, that patient journey on that product from the time it gets prescribed. Just walk us through that user experience and patient experience on Canvas.
1: Yeah, the goal was from the very beginning to make it as weightless as possible, app-enabled, streamlined, intuitive with the slick user design and a great human computer interaction experience overall. And to really stand in contrast to the standard of care, which is challenging to access 18 month waiting lists, and then ultimately very subjective and haphazardly variably delivered across the United States and across the globe, ultimately resulting in accuracies arguably not at a clinical level that they could be. And so we wanted to solve the clinical validity and the usability, the access, and the user experience to make it as weightless as possible. So Canvas DX is an app on phone that is prescribed by the healthcare provider, in this case, largely the primary care general pediatrician, at which time it's activated for the parent. They've already downloaded the app, and all they need to do is submit a short video and answer a, a small number of questions. And those two things together get combined with an outcome from a questionnaire provided to the HCP, the healthcare provider. Those three things get submitted to our algorithm, the Canvas DX system, to produce an instantaneous outcome. So the total time to actually engage with the system will not exceed 15 minutes. And once those vectors are submitted, the outcome is instantaneous and can get submitted directly back to the individual who has either you know, a diagnosis of autism, a negative, or at the time an indeterminate outcome, which is I think something we can get into later. But AI that's willing to admit it doesn't know is a really important part of software as a medical device and I think will become a staple and a requirement by the FDA in the future. We wanted to make sure that safeguard was in there from the very beginning. So as I said, it's about 15 minutes. It's quite weightless. You know, there's very little input required, and parents find it quite easy to use, as well as the HCPs find it intuitive and valuable because of the outcome it produces in the primary care setting in particular.
0: Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my clinical and commercial partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the Chief Medical Officer and General Manager of Health Excel. And as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hi, Dennis. So your diagnostic product is a prescription digital therapeutic, is it? Can you say a little bit more on how the diagnosis and treatment interplay works in the context of your autism digital therapeutic?
1: Thanks, Chandana. I think it's important to note that this um, device, CanvasDx, is the first ever authorized autism diagnosis system. Amazingly enough, it's a software as a medical device with artificial intelligence under the hood, so extremely exciting in that regard. The outcome from this system is not just a binary yes, no, or I don't know. It's a numerical score that fits a distribution into which we can plot kids and understand progress over time. So it can couple quite well with the therapy. Once the system delivers an outcome, the pediatrician or specialist will activate care. And it will activate care, like from reimbursement perspective, the Canvas DX diagnosis is sufficient for insurance companies to cover applied behavioral therapy, which is the most common form of therapy provided to children today. So the coupling happens kind of almost instantaneously. Canvas really acts as a collaborator with the pediatrician to empower the pediatrician to make a decision in the primary care setting, which is not super common today. Pediatricians don't feel equipped. They don't always feel like they have the special training that's necessary. And so instead refer to specialists for that diagnosis, which is a problem because the specialists have really long waiting lists. They're up to 18 months long. So with Canvas, they collaborate, they feel empowered, they feel confident to make a diagnosis. The company we have, Cognoa Connect, that's the collaborator. That collaborator helps the pediatrician provide the next steps to therapy. And so, as I said, the activation of ABA covered by insurance happens almost instantaneously, and then they have to find the provider. We help them do that. And with that, they're able to get the therapeutic services. 66% of kids who receive therapy before the age of six will progress to a point where they no longer qualify for an autism diagnosis. Kids who receive therapy within that window realize an average gain in IQ of 18 points or more. Not that IQ is an indicator necessarily, but it's a useful metric to understand that there's this real opportunity and it's only up until about six years of age. And if you've missed that window, which is really common today, unfortunately, because the average age of diagnosis is five, roughly it's hovering up to and close to five. You only have about a year before that window of brain development closes down and you get a diminished return on the investment.
0: I'm going to hop in here. I think building on Chandana's question and that interplay, there's a diagnostic, there's the pipeline of a therapeutic. You guys are not a typical DTX because you go upstream on the diagnosis and then pairing it with a software-based digital therapy. I'm curious on what was that pathway and the complexities building the diagnostic, but also then the therapy to react to that diagnostic? So if you can talk a little bit about the complexities of this, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I think one key piece in further answering Chandan's question, there are two major bottlenecks in this healthcare ecosystem. One is getting a diagnosis and the other is getting therapy. As I said, therapy is the most important, but we can't activate therapy until we find the kids. And unfortunately, we're not finding the kids as frequently and at the right window of time as we should be. We ultimately do find them, but it's too late. And so we wanted to solve that first problem. We wanted to really double down. On finding all the kids, making sure we reach the under resourced, those individuals who are receiving care largely through Medicaid. Kids in the United States, in particular, Black and Hispanic populations, on average are not diagnosed until they're eight years of age. So, well past that window of opportunity. And for me, that's just unacceptable. And Canvas DX is meant to solve that problem. How do we couple with there? There's a whole other suite of pipeline programs that Cognito is working on that couple with Canvas. These aren't launched yet, but will be launching. A quick story that that Cognoa ultimately licensed, a story that was born from my lab at Stanford, was the provision of therapeutic services through Google Glass, augmented reality. Children wear the glasses, they still exist, they're still available. I was gonna say, I haven't seen them in a while. They're business to business and they're an incredibly good form factor, an augmented reality form factor that's fairly weightless, that's easy to ignore after a short period of time. The prism that provides the feedback, we fitted them to children between the ages of four and 12 and tested the ability to deliver potent emotion recognition, eye contact and social reciprocity training in the homes, in the natural environments of the kids. We tested this in a randomized control trial. It showed incredible efficacy and we licensed that product to Cognola. We have another tool that's underway, which takes advantage of the smartphone, which does similar social reciprocity training, which is some of the key things. Kids with autism unanimously struggle to make eye contact, understand emotion and faces, and exhibit restricted and repetitive interests. They have to be sort of pulled out of their asocial world into the social world. Once we do that, it unlocks all sorts of potential and they start to grow on their own. So these tools are really just ephemeral learning aids ultimately that provide them with a little bit of social training in short bursts in natural settings. And those yield huge outcomes, very positive outcomes that are consistent with what you'd expect to get from 25 hours a week of standard therapy for a year. You can do it in four weeks, three times a week. So those kinds of things are starting to come out and Cognoa is gonna be bringing those as part of their pipeline programs in the future
0: evidence generation in general for both diagnostic and treatment products is always challenging. And I think the market and the data and the regulations are evolving. And so maybe we can kind of back up a little bit around your evidence generation journey to date. Again, you guys got the DeNova sometime in 2021. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your evidence generation journey.
1: Sure. So the journey began with pre-submissions to the FDA that led to breakthrough designations both for the diagnostic and for the therapeutics. We focused first on the diagnostic, of course, as I've already indicated, and doubled air to build a robust pivotal registrational clinical study that we launched and completed at 14 sites across the United States with clinical specialists in a head-to-head comparison. So, in this case a blinded head-to-head comparison paired study with the outcome from standard of care against the Canvas DX outcome. The FDA's requirements were quite rigorous as you're probably not surprised to hear in terms of hitting high numbers for negative and positive predictive value and sensitivity and specificity. We ran the study on 425 kids and exceeded all of those endpoints and that ultimately led to the de novo authorization. What's particularly cool about our de novo system is that it's authorized together with a predetermined change control plan This is another new thing that the FDA is working on bringing out in a more formal fashion through their Center of Excellence for Digital Medicine, among other things, is the ability to tune and adapt your system safely as an AI system over time with real-world data without the requirement for additional 510k pivotal studies to be done. So that means that in the future, we hope to be able to make adaptive changes based on real-world evidence that will build our system in a way that makes it stronger, makes it much more accurate. Even now, it's incredibly accurate and it'll provide a diagnosis on two-thirds of kids with accuracies that are well above the 90s.
0: Dennis, you have market authorization for the diagnostic for autism, Cannabis DX. You have a number of feasibility studies around the actual therapeutic. Maybe you can elaborate on the second one, but also would love for our listeners to understand how you guys are thinking more of the
1: pipeline build and what other areas are you guys tackling? Great question. I would say one of the things that we've learned in the journey, for example, our Google Glass, the autism glass, what are called the superpower glasses program forward. We learned that there is a formal set of steps that one must take to bring a digital therapeutic to market. That begins with, you know, obviously the ideation. Okay, I've got this cool new idea. This is form factor, augmented reality. It's gonna become a thing. We want it to be in the homes of everyone. We were wrong in that prediction, unfortunately. But, anyways, ideation to feasibility studies. After ideation, you're sitting down with your stakeholders, you're doing storyboards, and you're building together sort of the concepts around the human computer interaction. We did this actually with Terry Winograd, who's really the founding father of the field of HCI, previously advisor for Larry Page and Sergey Brin, brought all these concepts of how to build a good user interface, how to build a good user experience. And that's so important for something like this that's to a certain extent gamified and delivered in a non-traditional, less clinical kind of setting that can be used by parents who probably are best equipped because they're spending so much time with their children to be primary care providers, to be therapists in a way. So you go from ideation to feasibility where you're sort of testing and maybe building a dose response kind of curve along the way. What's the minimally viable dose of this therapy that's going to be sufficient to provide a change on an endpoint that the FDA is going to care about? So you start to test that and you're doing this in a not a randomized control trial just yet, but ultimately you have to do that randomized control trial. It has to be sufficiently powered. Those power calculations need to be disclosed and vetted by the FDA in this case. And it needs to follow a standard statistical protocol designed with an intent to treat type structure. So like very rigorous clinical protocol with a very rigorous statistical background. So we did that for Glass. Now we're doing that for another game system called Guess What, where you put the phone on your forehead and a prompt is displayed on the screen. It, lock, it looks a lot like heads up. I was inspired by playing it with my kids in coffee shops, like various trips and stuff like that you know what, this could actually be a very powerful vehicle to deliver therapy to kids. And it turns out it is. And so we're staging that in the same way, from ideation, through feasibility, through randomized control trials. The randomized trial is underway now, and we hope to really bring that full circle
0: in the very near future. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Dennis Wool, founder of Cognoa. It's still amazing to hear digital therapeutics entrepreneurs and trailblazers to talk about dosing via software.
1: We can control it a little better, actually, because take our guess what game system, we're tracking everything. We have the video recordings, we have the audio, we have the game metrics, we have all these things, and we have outcomes. We have the pretest, the post-test, and then the follow-ups. So we can really look at a fine-grained level, what amount of gameplay dose correlates to what amount of change on pick your endpoint, basically.
0: Amazing. And I think we probably can talk for hours down deeper into all the data points and how everything is structured, but we do have a limited time. So let's move a little bit to the business side. While your inspiration and many entrepreneurs in healthcare inspiration is not necessarily financially focused, you were looking out there talking to Morningside and prior to a lot of them, what was your early business hypothesis. How did you think this will go to market, if at all, at that time?
1: I mean, in the very initial pitches, like, you know, back when I knew nothing about business strategy, market, and many other things that were very new to me, I had looked to companies like Genomic Health for inspiration. Genomic Health, the cancer company, came out with the first breast cancer testing, was initially direct-to-consumer. It was aspirational reimbursement, ultimately. The insurance companies hadn't figured it out yet. So the initial pitches were, we'll start with direct to consumer, but work really hard in parallel to figure out how to get this insurance reimbursement covered. That was the very beginning and we scrapped that, Brent scrapped that. (laughs) And we stayed stealth. We stayed in the clinical testing windows. We wanted to go through the FDA. We didn't want to launch product until we knew for sure that it was authorized through the peer review process of the FDA, super rigorous, far more rigorous than a peer review paper, for example, so that when we brought it out to market, there would be no question. And again, we won't bring it out to market until we're confident the insurance companies are going to reimburse it. And that's where we are now. And that's a slog. It's hard, but it's solvable. It's been hard for Achille, it's been hard for Pear, and it's been hard for us, but it will get solved. And I think these three companies, for example, and others, of course, but solving that problem solves the problem for the future. It finally sort of like sets the stage, opens up this floodgate of what will happen and what will become the future of medicine. That's why you guys are the trailblazers in this space. Let's
0: keep diving a little bit deeper on as you get out in the market and your product is ready, now FDA approved, you can look at things as typical life sciences company and building a sales force, getting knocking in the doctor's office. Looks like you guys went with Eversana in 2019. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that partnership. And then on the heels of that, again, how are you
1: looking at that distribution to the pediatricians? Yeah, it's an awesome question. It actually, couples closely with what I was saying before. Because of this new area, software as a medical device, AI in medicine, AI in healthcare, not only is insurance an interesting challenge that must be solved kind of organically, like as you go on a case-by-case basis, the distribution model too is something that is variable, like could be variable. And so we started with Eversana, and there are many good choices. Orsini, there are others- What is the right distribution channel? Frankly, we don't know yet. we got to try. we got to try various angles to figure out how to properly distribute this product. And those are just a couple of good partnerships that we've worked with along the way to try to figure that out.
0: And are you finding from a channel perspective, to your point, the reimbursement, the health plan entry, and that's one way, I mean, ultimately, because you're a prescription product, this needs to have the trust by the prescribing pediatricians. And that will generate some traction and push, right, to, again, a software-based versus a molecular-based solutions out there. If you can talk a little bit what the company is seeing as a better traction at the moment and the approach to the market, I know you're trying different things. To begin with,
1: prescription by care provider, let's say general ped, dev ped, pediatric neurologist, child psychiatrist, all of which we've worked with, is a no-brainer like they are, yes, we want this, we will prescribe it day in and day out. And it's not something that's going to be prescribed just for kids who have high risk, but for lots of kids, kids who have developmental differences, kids who are getting well checks, where developmental screening is a requirement, right? So this Canvas DX system is clearly something that the prescribers, the physicians want to prescribe. So there's a huge demand there. It fills an unmet need, no question. One of the things we work with women Stanford Medical and we have Epic and docs are used to using Epic. They're used to seeing a dropdown. They're used to seeing something in their Epic app store. Sort of fire app orchard type stuff, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. And we're building and testing that as well. So it's trying to deal with, okay, Cerner, Epic, you know, these kinds of healthcare systems that where docs, we want to work with docs who are comfortable with a certain thing. And in the Orsini kind of world, there's a little bit more of the traditional faxing and hard paper and handwritten signatures and stuff like that, which slows things down. So we're trying to work with every possible channel and figure out maybe how to make some of those channels a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit more streamlined. Then we'll get there and we have to be diverse and a little bit flexible in terms of getting it out there. So we're willing to kind of work with anyone at this point to make sure we distribute under whatever circumstances most comfortable what the current historical inertia is requiring at that time.
0: As we're talking commercial, and I know your passion is really elsewhere, I can tell it's exuding on actually solving a problem, but I'd love to push you a little bit on, A, now that you're FDA approved for Canvas DX, how many prescriptions are out there, and if you can talk a little bit about the pricing that's happening in the market for your product as well.
1: So in the first piece, we're not formally launched yet, because we're still working with the insurance companies. They wanna figure it out with us and we're getting really close. And we don't wanna really launch and let prescriptions fly off the handle until we have that piece solved, both from the commercial payer side as well as Medicaid. So that's underway and going really well, but I can say like the demand is there. We know from now hundreds of conversations and actions with our partners in various states across the United States that prescribing physicians, HCPs broadly defined, gen-peds and specialists alike, want and will prescribe. It fills an unmet need for them. There's no question. That's sort of the first part. The pioneers here really for inspiration, guidance, path carving, Achilles pair, these pioneers in the field that I look up to certainly, and I like to think of us, close on their heels or together and as partners in this, figuring out how to set prices that are consistent with the product offerings that we have. And I can say we've done the work. We know what the price could be and why it's justified, what it should be and why it's justified based on all what goes into a diagnosis today. Certainly hundreds of dollars of time and resources, all of which ultimately are not solving the problem And with Canvas at the right price, it will solve the problem in a very fast and efficient manner with a great user experience to produce a diagnosis way earlier, like at least two and a half years earlier than the current standard of care. And so I think insurance companies are going to want to pay for it and pay the price that's consistent with that savings.
0: We've been talking about, obviously, the patients and early diagnostics. We've talked about the pediatricians and the power in their hands to be able to help those individuals and the families involved. Would love to actually get your thoughts and as always a bit of a selfish question on health coaches that help you understand and reach your goals. How do you see the interaction of this AI system and a digital therapy with human beings like health coaches or outside of the clinician?
1: Yeah, it's a great question and I bring it back to this notion of collaboration and collaborative care The collaborative care model, I believe, was launched to enable a primary physician to partner with a psychiatrist to provide better mental health for patients in late stages, sort of like adolescent and adulthood and so forth. So there was this initial concept of collaboration that's covered by insurance, by the way, a collaborative care model that activates a psychiatrist together with the primary physician so that they can work on solving the mental health issue that the patient faces. To me, that fits this Coach concept incredibly well. And I think it embodies what Canvas DX is meant to be. It's meant to be a collaborator, a coach, really, for the pediatrician who ultimately is going to write the prescription. But behind that is Cognoa Connect, humans, humans that can talk to them and tell them what this means, why it's important, why the outcome is actionable, and why they should be prescribing the diagnosis, but also activating the care package right then and there. It's sort of partnering physicians with an AI solution and a group of humans that are really committed to that next step. Because the diagnosis is just one part of the problem. As I said, there's two bottlenecks here. One is the diagnosis, the other is the uh, therapies. And so the faster we get these kids collaboratively diagnosed through Canvas by pediatricians, the faster we can activate those care packages.
0: And again, for pediatricians, so would love to hear what advice you would Gift to pediatricians as they're looking at some of these novel, let's call it modalities, diagnostics, and therapies?
1: I can be a little bit um, iconoclastic, I suppose, in a way here. I'd say like for a while, I've always pondered why we have kind of given the diagnostic power in the standard of care today to PhDs and sort of left the MDs behind. The specialists that are ultimately providing the standard of care are in developmental medicine centers and not necessarily clinicians or physicians, their PhDs. For pediatricians, I would say it's time to take the power back. It's time to activate your knowledge base and to be the primary diagnostician for kids at risk for an autism diagnosis or other developmental delay. And with Canvas DX, you can do that. As I said, it's a collaboration. And with that collaboration and the outcome from Canvas DX, I think you the pediatrician in that primary care setting in a community somewhere in the United States should feel completely confident in making a diagnosis and not require some kind of referral because the kids need it, the parents need it, and that referral might turn into a two-year wait list. And ultimately, that's a disservice for that child and family. So take the power back, make the diagnosis, and collaborate with DX.
0: I have a feeling that my last question to you, I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. And we started with you and your interesting fact and your background. Let's end with you.
1: What makes you get up in the morning? (laughs) Becky, definitely, my sister-in-law and all the kids that we have collaborated with in the design of these therapies, for example, the glass system and the heads up system. Man, they are special to me in ways I can't express. And the fact that we're not done yet, we're just getting started. Yeah, that gets me up in the morning. Dennis, it was
0: a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for making the time. And I'm sure we'll talk soon.
1: All right. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics edition of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Help or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene
1: Borachowicz, and catch you next time.